podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast. I'm Chris, Tom's here too. Hi there. And we're a little bit croaky and our shins have taken a bit of a beating from that trip to the Medeski Stadium, but it's all worth it, of course, for Tom Lawrence's stunning injury time winner, which helped the Rams open their campaign with three points. Our latest episode is all about that last gasp win in Berkshire. Frank Lampard's first competitive Derby County win in his first competitive match. We were unconvincing. Tom worked me in large spells, and there were clearly some opening night nerves, not least from Richard Keogh, but uh, surely, overall, it must be up there with the best away day moments in recent years for you. It's, it was a, such an amazing feeling to, to come away from that with three points. Um, 93rd minute and, what, 53rd second, so close to full time. Those kind of things only happen against Derby. I don't think I've ever seen Derby score that late on uh, in a game. So, yeah, fantastic effort, uh, and what a ball in from Bennett, and what a, what a header from Lawrence. Well, uh, we'll talk about the individual incidents in the game in due course, but in terms of the first half, that there were several wobbly moments, weren't there? And uh, mm. I think you you said to one of our friends who was with us there that a better team clearly would have, you know, would would have put us to bed, and yep. you know, a team with more conviction and composure than Reading have would have probably been at least two 0 up at half time. Do you think it's fair to say that we we got away with it overall? Yeah, I think so. The the first half wasn't great. Um, I thought we kind of looked fairly comfortable the only time they got in behind us was when we made mistakes or correction when Keo made made a mistake in that first half um, it took five minutes for him to give the ball away uh, Bod Varson then went through uh, and Carson saved well with his leg a better striker than Bod Varson and I do like him but someone better uh, with the ball at his feet would have probably finished that you'd have expected the likes of Vidra or Nugent or someone like that to have finished that had it been the other end um, so yeah I think Derby were perhaps lucky to go in nil-nil I didn't think Reading were that great going forward and we were the victims of our own sort of downfall in that first half nil-nil at half time and it was what about five minutes into the second half mm. when Reading opened the scoring uh, a mobile cross nodded in Decent header, to be fair, wasn't it, from yep. Bod Varson? Mm-hmm. Anything we can improve on in that goal, really? It was Max Lowe who got caught under the cross, wasn't yeah. it? To be honest, I don't think there is, really. Like, If someone's going to put a ball in like that, uh, like Barrow did, and he did it three or four times in the first half, um, if someone's going to put in a quality ball and you've got someone who's six foot five and an absolute monster coming up against your fullback, like, what's going to happen? The ball's going to be headed in or towards goal. So the only thing I might say, a bit more pressure on the cross, so maybe someone uh, needs to be working a bit harder there, but... I did think there, were, there was some pressure on there and perhaps maybe Lowe doesn't want to be tucked in quite so narrow because Lowe's right in the centre of the goal. Um, so as a fullback, he maybe wants to be open up a bit. The centre-halves need to be shifted across. Uh, maybe Keogh and also Davis got caught underneath it a bit too far to the right. Um, but I think I'd be p- picky. I think you've got credit. Great ball in uh, from Barrow, who I thought was Reading's best player um, and a fantastic header from Bud Varson. That's his quality with the ball in the air, not at his feet. It's weird that we, that, you know, some teams have sort of bogey teams but mm. Mo Barrow is sort of a, a bogey player for Derby isn't he like he, uh, yeah. he he had a huge effect on both games last season against uh, against Derby for Reading yeah. and at times we struggled to contain him last, uh, you know in, in this game as well 
think uh, the pace that he's got, he's just got raw pace and he's very direct. Um, one thing in the first half I noticed is that Derby got the ball and were quite slow and ponderous and side to side with their passing. As soon as Reading got the ball and they didn't have anywhere near his possession, but they looked much more lively, they picked it up and they attacked the fullback. So Wisdom, I thought, defended very well. Low, I thought, defended very well, but they were under pressure the entire time. Uh, Wisdom gave away the free kick, got booked for a foul on Barrow where he was just trying to use his strength. But it's because Barrow's pace was terrifying for him, and Wisdom's not slow. So I um, think that the, 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 the circumstances of the game suited suited Reading a bit more though early on, didn't they? And we knew mm. it was going to be this way. I mean, I think a lot of our fans were probably guilty of being a bit overconfident, um, yeah. probably us, us included to an extent as well. But you know, Reading, despite struggling last season, have got decent players and are a decent side, and there mm. aren't really any complete whipping boys in the championship no. very often, are there? And I think in that first half you could just sense that everyone was absolutely desperate to make an impression, weren't they? On both, yeah. on both, From both sides. Yeah, there were some big tackles going in um, and I thought that Reading looked really up for it. They pressed Derby really high. Um, they, let, they let them have the ball at the back um, and as soon as the ball went into midfield to Mount or to Bryson, um, the pressure was on them and there was no like outlet. I didn't think Wilson was wide enough in the first half. Uh, he kept cutting in and making the pitch very small. It meant that Wisdom, because he was under pressure from Barrow and was scared of his pace he didn't push forward into the space that Wilson was creating um, so there's definitely some things to be looked at in with regards to the tactics do you think that teams I don't know maybe it's a bit, bit of arrogance on our part but do you think some teams might be looking to up their game a little bit and they might subconsciously put in a few extra percent because of our profile now because we are hmm. the story in, in the division but, one of one of these stories in the championship and everyone's yeah. keen to, to make an impression in a game where they know there's going to be eyes on just because of the profile of our manager. Frank Lampard effect has had a, a hugely positive impact on Derby County as a club um, and also on the supporters. Like We would never expect to have been in this position three or four podcasts ago when we were talking about the uh, the, sort of the playoff games against Fulham. Um, we are talking about Rower and building. Frank Lampard was not even in our minds. So there's been a huge change and there's been a massive focus on Derby. We've been in the middle of the, the media storm in the national papers this week. It was, uh, so, it was so ridiculous for the game, wasn't it? Seeing all those, all those snappers around the, around the away dugout. I've never seen anything like that a match before no, nothing at all like, and on this sort of like level certainly but Lampard's a big figure isn't he so you've got to go out there and you've got to impress people you're thinking I'm playing in front of Frank Lampard yeah why not and perhaps we're now like a team that people want to want to sort of be challenging and want to sort of take down because of the the amount of media sort of focus on us and I think that's that can be a positive but I think it could be something we need to be aware of that the teams will start to get annoyed that Derby are getting all this focus just because Frank Lampard's our manager what do you think of his outfit he had like a sort of snazzy, sort of two-tone looked, trouser jacket combo. Looked pretty, looked pretty sharp, didn't he? Well, from the away end, he did, obviously. He looked amazing uh, <laughs> on the TV, celebrating that goal. Pretty happy. So I think all round top quality, ten out of ten. I think later on the season he'll he'll upgrade to um, full-length club jacket. Yeah, I reckon he'll go on brand later on, but. Just, you know, he's keeping it simple early doors nice sort of summer's jacket I'm just wondering if he's going to bring out the trainers the, like the Rowett style trainers <laughs> yeah I'm just wondering if they'll come out or... I didn't think they were <laughs> on sale in Derby anyway anymore but I don't know um, we're just talking there about players really keen to make a good impression mm-hmm. and what I noticed was that Mason Mount was particularly guilty of doing that in the first half yep. don't get me wrong later on he showed his quality obviously mm-hmm. scored the goal that got us back in the game yeah. but in the first half, he was far too deep, wasn't he? It seemed to me, yeah. look, watching him play, that he was almost thinking, you know, look, I need to sort of live up to my own hype here. Yeah. Um, he was picking at the ball in front of the back four, 
I was trying to look at that midfield midfield three of him, yeah. Bryson, and Ledley, and he was he was he was too far back. He wasn't in yeah. advanced positions often enough in the first half. But yeah. credit to Lampard and to Matt himself, presumably that yeah. that did change in the second half, didn't mm-hmm. it? The thing that we saw in the first half was Ledley, Bryson and uh, Mount were picking the ball up from the centre-backs, as you said, or in between the centre-backs at times. Uh, and they were all very central and very narrow. Now, when Derby scored the, the, the first goal they scored in the evening, which was disallowed for offside, and correctly so, um, one thing I noticed that Ledley ended up on the sort of left-back, sort of left-wing position in between, like a left-wing-back almost, um, which is something you didn't see in the first half, like just a bit of a change of shape and a change of angle to give a few more options and a bit more width. And that was really noticeable. And I think the midfield three and the fullbacks um, began to, to to sort of spread out and stretch the play a little bit more. Whereas in the first half, Bryson was doing the short ball, Mount was doing the short ball, and Ledley does what he does best and that picks the ball up and plays it short. So three players doing the same thing. Second half, that definitely changed. A lot of oddly familiar elements to that performance, wasn't there? I mean... Um... You know, yeah. Keo made a couple of mistakes. <laughs> Wisdom was solid and yeah. was physically imposing, of course. Yeah. Bryson ran his socks off, yeah. showed loads of industry, but once or twice lacks a couple of moments of quality. Yeah. All things we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Overall, how do you think the new signings did? I think they were contrasting performances from Mason Mountain and Harry Wilson. Now, I was a little yeah. bit disappointed in Wilson, to be honest. Wilson looked nervous, I thought. He looked like he was trying too hard, trying to do too much. Um, he's clearly got a good footballing brain. He was switching from being wide and then into the middle. Um, he was looking for, for like uh, interesting and in- intricate passes, sort of things that you wouldn't expect a, to a not-so-talented I guess uh, talented sort of player looking for. So he's clearly got the eye uh, and he's clearly that, got yeah, the Yeah, that's vision. true. He's, he was looking for passes that you wouldn't normally wouldn't see, see yeah. uh, a, a player attempt. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's there's a lot of potential there. But I thought last night, uh, let's down a bit, a few poor touches, uh, the opportunity to play a more simple pass or or even like play a, a sort of cross in. And he did a couple of like little flicks or back heels when you think, just play it simple. We had the opportunity to overlap at times. It summed up his first half with the free kick I think he took. It was down the other end, uh, right on half time. I'm pretty sure it's him that lined up and he just spooned it over the bar like by miles it's like a rugby uh, rugby penalty so yeah. Um, yeah. a bit disappointing from Wilson however Mount he started slowly worked into the game second half I thought it was brilliant a couple of uh, absolutely delicious balls in from yeah. Mason Mount weren't there the one for Nugent's disallowed header which yeah. to be fair took a deflection but got yeah. himself into a into a nice little pocket of space and yeah. sent a good ball over and then that the ball after he scored to the one um, the one across the yeah. box where that was an absolutely Incredible ball, wasn't it? Like such, yeah. so dangerous. But, and McShane knew that he couldn't touch it because he had scored an own goal. And then Wilson, to be fair, got on the end of it, but couldn't quite, um, you know, force a decent save out of Manoni in the end. Yeah, Wilson did everything right there. Um, but going back to Mount, he on that move, he picked the ball up in the in the middle from Keo, um, and he played like a, a strong and firm pass out to the out wide. And then he continued his run round the back, and he he almost went to the left wing position, then cut in. Um, so when the ball came back across to him, he then used his right foot, not his left, which I think is a stronger one. It's how he scored. He used his right foot to then cross that ball in. McShane didn't, couldn't do anything about it. It was a brilliant cross. And Wilson did everything right, got the ball back across the goal. Uh, and Manoni made a decent save. So Mount, I'd say pretty pleased. Six out of ten first half. Eight out of ten second half. Seven overall. Was he it, our best player, do you think? I think he was overall. Yeah, maybe. So it's difficult to say. I, I don't think there was a real standout performer. And so I think, yeah, yeah perhaps he was. But without being outrageously good if that makes sense there's a lot of solid and dependable performers there Davis we haven't mentioned yet uh, I thought Bennett looked really lively when he came on so yeah I'd, I'd say yeah arguably our man of the match but very tight 
What about his goal then? The equaliser about five minutes after Reading scored to get Derby back into the game. Yeah. Their first goal of the campaign. Obviously, Manone had a bit of a howler, didn't he? But, uh, you know, if you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the lottery and all that. <laughs> no, I mean, as a goalkeeper myself, I know it's difficult to deal with the ball bouncing in front of you, but a goalkeeper of the quality of Manone needs to be saving that. And when it went in, I was surprised and then obviously celebrated, but good strike. And Kutch mentioned a couple of weeks ago the uh, Eredivisie goalkeepers were pretty poor. Well, at least they're just as poor in the Championship. So uh, long may that continue. And obviously, as you say, got to take those shots to score goals. Hope for us, yeah, isn't it? I must say as the game ticked on and on and on and Lampard said this as well that he just saw it petering out into a one-all draw and especially when I think it's like 88th or 89th minute or something um, we constructed a nice little move sort of long diag to Keogh nodded it down someone chested it to Bryson it sat up nicely for him but he just skewed his, his volley straight into the air and I thought when that happened that's it it's got a draw written all over it which is fine that's all right. I mean you know another uh, chap we're speaking to said that you know always take a draw in an away game so when that goal came, so out of the blue, wasn't it? And pretty much undeserved. Is it fair to say it was undeserved? In the second half, there was only really one team that uh, wanted to go on and try and win that game. I don't think Reading really came at us in that, that sort of last 10, 15 minutes. I thought Reading played well in the first half. Um, so I'd say, yeah, undeserved. But I think Derby, credit to them for keep going till that last last minute. They took the throw in quickly. Uh, Bennett showed lots of power, pace and strength down there. Uh, compl- completely outmuscled the fullback, puts in a wonderful ball uh, for his right foot and Tom Lawrence like, what's he doing there? What is he doing? <laughs> Tom, Tom, I don't score headers, Lawrence. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I've never seen him like challenge for a ball in my entire time that I've watched him play football. Not like, not going up there and like leaping like a salmon. It was almost like Shearer, Stevie Howard-esque. It was, wasn't it? Oh, not only times. that, but when we watched it back, that header was a full 12 yards out. He yeah. Was, he was level with a penalty yeah, yeah. spot and the ball's whipped into him. Yeah. It's the ball from Bennett. Absolutely. It, it sets it there, doesn't it? Because the pace is on the ball and all he has to do is leap, direct it, and he gets brilliant leap, direct it fantastically into the far corner. And you saw it looping over Manoni. We're a good angle for that. Yeah. Such a great moment when see. you see a goal like that in front of you mm. and you know a split second before it goes in, it's in. that it's going in. Yeah. It's sound <laughs> like... Split second of silence before absolute pandemonium ensues, isn't it? It's great. And then seconds later, you're falling on the row in front of you. Yeah. Well, Having a cuddle with the lads from the Punjabi Rams. Sorry yeah. about that, Pav. Yeah, um, <laughs> making a, making a few friends in injury time. Well, it had a nice like cuddle, but it's only because I tried to jump up and I fell over the top of a chair, smashed my shin up, and landed on top of someone. But it was fine because uh, we just scored a winner. So this is um, football. <laughs> There's nothing better than football, is there, than the pure passion of a last-minute winner. Football's got the ultimate highs and the, the sort of depressing lows, but I don't think anything really compares. Like You can't get that sort of high of scoring a, a goal like that. And you saw it in the Derby team in the celebrations, like Davis charging the full length of the pitch, celebrating and then jumping up and down, giving that fan a bear hug. Granted, he probably shouldn't be on the pitch, but like that's the joy, isn't it? You just do something that you don't normally think of and then the full-time whistle Lawrence is lying there on the floor and Nugent literally sprints from the from the dugout and gives him this massive hug, right, him a big hug. Yeah. yeah brilliant yeah. brilliant stuff brilliant passion do you think Lampard's going to start the bounce every time we win <laughs> probably is isn't he yeah that's just so. the thing that we do now yeah I, I, I'm hoping it's only when we win and rather than during during any games or anything like that but yeah. and especially the bounce games. after a one or draw a Blackburn on a Tuesday night yeah. doesn't have the same ring to it does it no but maybe away games as well unless we beat Forest 4-0 at home or something like that I yeah. think uh, but yeah it's, it's good to see that the, the the players obviously care don't they that's, that celebration for the winner and the celebrations at the end were were great and I, I saw a comment on Twitter which is a bit like narky from a Reading fan saying oh Derby can enjoy their cup final 
that wasn't a cup final. That was just a team that cares and a team that's really together. And it's a team that I, as a fan, like. And I've got a lot of time for this Derby team. So hopefully that goes a long way. We probably celebrated it like a cup final because Reading spent the previous hour calling us the worst team in history, which they're the only team to do that other than Forest. So, um, you know... Got to take the medicine, really, haven't they? Get, get take some, what's coming to them. Gets a bit jarring. And they were top of the league, as they kept telling us. And I was like, why are you singing this? It's game one. But then I did give it back to them when yeah. we went 2-1 <laughs> up. So, <laughs> But it's, it's one of those sort of silly things, isn't it? Whenever we go to Reading, they always give us that, that sort of worst team in history. And then like, we're the record holders of 106 points or whatever. Fair play, great stuff. But just get over it, please. Exactly. <laughs> Going back to the goal for a second. Do you think Mason Bennett's playing himself into uh, into Lampard's thoughts as a starter now with that, that cameo that he had yeah it's interesting isn't it because he's definitely beefed up and he played really well last night when he came on so yeah why not and he played through the middle which I was quite surprised normally we've seen him out left uh, or, or out right and for the most part he was through the middle granted he put that ball in from the right hand side but he, he did basically replace Nugent it's almost like point. a sort of almost like a false nine kind yeah. of because he's not going to play with his back to goal very much because no. he's too short and that's not what his game's about um, he's mainly playing through the channels yeah. and off the sh- and you know and off the shoulder in between the fullback and the centre back wasn't it he caused um, it caused McShane quite a few problems I thought with his pace McShane and should have been booked for a foul on Bennett shouldn't he yeah um, yeah I think so so yeah why not if Marriott's not fit at the moment um, if Nugent isn't perhaps like scoring goals or looking dangerous and I thought Nugent worked hard but um, from those two I'd say he's give Bennett a start next week so um, we'll, co- we'll come to the possible starting lineup for Oldham in the Cup yeah. and for Leeds where you know, obviously Leeds is, is an important league game but Oldham will obviously see some rotation mm. you would have thought looking back on this game though we did it the hard way left it late scored via a keeper error what do you think Lampard's learned about the team in his first game he's learned it's not going to be easy the um, championship's harder than it looks <laughs> yeah like it, it's definitely not going to be easy we've got some good players in there but you can't just say right we've got 11 good players go out and play football um, you've got to you've got to make tra- changes and you've got to adapt um, Reading I thought set up really well I thought Clement had them um, pushing us back um, letting us have the ball at, in the centre backs but as soon as the ball went forward or to the wide men uh, they shut us down and meant that we had tons of possession 60-70% possession we had nothing in terms of territory. We didn't create anything in that first half. So um, there's going to be difficult for Derby. And I think Lampard's got to realise that you can't just do the same thing week in, week out. Um, we're not hugely stronger than any other team. There's so many teams in there who are competitive and it's going to be difficult. And there's going to be difficult points. So, But I think Lampard did well last night. Changed it in the second half. Uh, and the substitutions made the difference, didn't they? So on Clement, we're not going to dwell on it. But at the end of the day, he was our manager for a bit. I wasn't going to mention it, but some rather scathing and uh, quite outspoken comments from Darren Bent who was on media duty yeah. for Sky Sports during that game so we were there but I picked yeah. it up on social media afterwards he said to paraphrase that Clement couldn't deal with confrontation uh, he said I know a lot of people were surprised when he got the sack at Derby but as players in the dressing room we knew it was inevitable that he was going to crumble because training had changed the intensity had changed his philosophy that he brought in at the start of the season going out of the window because we weren't getting the right results and ultimately he didn't really like confrontation so when certain players who weren't in the team went to see him they weren't really getting answers quite an insight from that from Darren Bent there isn't it he's not sitting on the fence <laughs> let's put it that way like that is um, it's pretty brutal and I remember coming back uh, from work and arriving back and yourself and Kutch have been messaging while I was cycling home saying that Clement had been sacked and I was gobsmacked we were two points off second in fifth place looking like a on a, for a decent charge and um, yeah I, I couldn't believe it but 
maybe that gives you an insight into why he was sacked and just shows that you can't ever know what's going on behind closed doors can you yeah. we can only judge it on what we see on the pitch yeah. and from interviews and stuff but um, a really insightful yeah. bit of punditry there from Darren Bent fair play to him for saying that I like the honesty and I like the fact that if if, if something isn't right then then why not say it and that's what Darren Bent experienced it's clearly what a few other of the senior players at Derby at that time experienced um, there was always talk about some of the senior players being a, a bit of a negative influence in the dressing room so maybe that's a, a negative in that way but Clearly, I do think I do remember things changing for um, for Clement around November time when things weren't quite going as well as they uh, maybe could have. We, sh- we had a couple of like dodgy nil nil draws or, or one all draws against teams we'd have expected to win uh, against. So fair play for him to say that, and um, maybe a bit harsh. I got a lot of time for Clement. I think he's a good coach. Anyway, that was then. Uh, this is now. Set of Rams off and running for the season. Three points in our first game. Terrific stuff. In the second half, we'll have a little bit of a chat and a ponder about the promotion pitcher in the championship who are Derby's main rivals for that crucial playoff positions and even the automatic top two and we'll also talk about who should come in the Oldham in the cup in around a week's time now you can follow us on social media of course uh, we are Steve Bloomer's watching on Twitter at Steve Bloomer pod we're on Facebook and Instagram as well drop us an email if you like Steve Bloomer's watching at gmail.com and this season Steve Bloomer's watching is partnered with Derby Brewing Company, the award-winning family-run microbrewery and pub operator with four venues across Derby, so do check them out. More in a second. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Oh, I'll play it again, Ripley. And here's Asanovic to win it back. And find Powell. We've got a lot of men forward here, and a spare man in Gabbiadini. Here he is. And he sets it up for Flynn. Sean Flynn there giving Derby County their first ever Premier League win against Blackburn in September 1996. So on to this coming season in the Championship. Derby, we mentioned in the last podcast, they're about eighth favourites for promotion. Um, I've checked the same site now and they're about sixth. I don't know if that's changed since, yeah. <laughs> since our win against Reading. But the favourites, um, Stoke are the leading favourites for promotion, 7-4. to four. Then West Bromwich Albion, 11-4. to four. Middlesbrough three to one, Leeds seven to two, Nottingham Forest seven to two, and then Derby in it around sixth at four to one. Do you think those odds are fair, Tom? Who do you see being the main rivals this season? All of those sides, plus perhaps uh, Norwich could be up there. There's, there's always I think a, so Norwich. Yeah, there's always a surprise package. I think so. Um, I think Brentford have been building well over the last few years. They often buy very well uh, and sell cleverly. Um, Using the sort of money ball uh, theory of like trying to buy low and sell high. You, you, um, you tipped Brentford for a late charge last season, didn't you? Yeah. You didn't materialise. <laughs> Keep on tipping them until they do something. I think. I think last year they were pretty close, weren't they? And then they, I think they lost their penultimate game. I quite like Brentford. I like the way they play and I like their philosophy. So it's so tight in the Championship, isn't it? There's there's so much that can go. So such a long season that uh, so much can sort of go wrong and so much can go right for teams. Like it's impossible to call at the moment. As I said, a week ago we were eighth favourite, now we're sixth. It's ridiculous. You hate to say it, Stoke are going to be very hard to beat, aren't they? And think yeah. even at, at this level, it's fair to say Tom Ince is has found his level again, having yeah. not really pulled up any trees at Huddersfield and yeah. being reunited with Rowett at Stoke and then McLean on the other yeah. side, who Rowett of course yeah. tried to go for when he was with us. And then a Fobe up top, who's always been a bit patchy, I yeah. think, but he'll probably 
with that sort of service, he'll probably get goals in this division. He's big and strong, isn't he? Um, and I think Stoke do have a decent forward line. It just depends whether Varrock can get them playing uh, the sort of football they want. What, do, what about you, Chris? Any thoughts? I think West Brom are slightly highly rated for me there. A lot of people are tipping them, but I'm not convinced by them, really. Rondon's been linked to Newcastle, I saw in the paper this week. Yeah, I would be much more comfortable with them going up rather than Stoke because, I mean, <laughs> I mean Darren Moore's a lovely guy, isn't he? You, yeah. can't, you can't really dislike Darren Moore. No. As long as it wasn't at our expense, then, <laughs> then that's fine. Yeah. Middlesbrough, who finished fifth just with us last yeah, season, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. Then lost to Villa in the playoffs. A couple of decent acquisitions for them. Although I noticed this week that Adama Traore is possibly off to Wolves okay. in yeah. a record deal for them. And he gave Derby absolute nightmares last season. It's the pace, they? isn't it? Those He's wingers pr- one pace. of the fastest footballers I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah, an interesting shout for them. Aiden got Aiden Flint in, haven't they, from Bristol City? £10.5 million pound for Flint. That's crazy for a centre-back, isn't it? But Flint, again, is a big Absolute classic Pulis signing. Yeah. yeah. Probably big player at right-back. Hooth and Shaw crossed in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Now Leeds, I mean, you can't really, yeah. So Derby playing Leeds in their first home game. Mm. Of course, with Bielsa as manager, nicknamed El Loco, the crazy one, mm. inspired Pep Gagliola, apparently thought of very highly by even Richard Pochettino, as the former Chile boss once threatened his uh, once threatened his own fans with a hand grenade when they turned up outside his house in protest. Back in the early nineties, I could go on. There's plenty of other ridiculous anecdotes connected to this guy. Oh, should be, it should be a proper game next weekend, shouldn't it? When yeah. Derby play Leeds, and that nice and calm, nil nil, no yellow cards, a couple <laughs> of corners, um, board draw. It's got it all over. Yeah, he's a bit of a mad one, isn't he, Bielsa? And very highly rated, as you say. So um, it could go it could go well for Leeds, but at the same time, he's he's got very little experience of the English Championship and English football in general. So a friend of mine summed it up when I was speaking to him about it. And he said that under Bielsa, Leeds could well beat everyone four nil until about October. Mm. Then not win it, not not win for about ten games, and he gets sacked. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is a bit of an extreme take on it, but you can imagine from the sort of character he is and the lack of stability at Leeds that yeah. could well happen it's, a, it's definitely a, a melting pot there isn't it it could go could go brilliantly for them but hopefully not how do you see Patrick Bamford doing there I think he'll get goals you know do, do you I just I just think he's flattered to deceive for so long I don't think he's he's a bit like a, a championship Theo Walcott Walcott's always wanted to play through the middle he's been highly rated for years and before you know it he's late 20s and and, not much yeah, yeah and he's playing yeah I I could see him getting 10, 12 goals, but nothing outstanding. When he bangs in 30 goals a season, we can go back to this point. But I, I like Bamford. I thought he did all right for Derby. He scored some good goals. But yeah, I don't I don't see him being a, I don't see him winning the golden boot for the championship. Another team who have really gone for it are Derby's local rivals, Nottingham Forest, of course. 11 signings and £25 million spent so far. And the window hasn't even finished. They're well and truly trying to do a Wolves, aren't they? With a Portuguese influence as well. Yeah, a couple of uh, lone players like Gil Diaz has come in there from I think it was Benfica, um, Sporting Lisbon. They've brought in some um, brought in some Championship experience as well. Um, I know Pantilimon was there um, last year to sign him permanently. Uh, Luke Steele as a backup goalkeeper. Graben, of course, Michael Dawson. Um, so I think they've actually got a, a good blend actually there. Um, of signings which I hate to say and they could be an interesting an interesting threat at the same time for every time there is a successful uh, Wolves-esque thing like you've, you've 
you buy to, to go up, there's always a big failure in there. So it's a risk they've taken, a big risk, I think. You'd imagine we'll Lewis Graben will get goals there. Um, yeah. And Michael Dawson could probably just about to do a decent job, can't he? Yeah. Being, even though he's, what, 34? Yeah, he's their Curtis Davis equivalent, isn't he? Strong, experienced centre-back. Um, Graben scored a ton of goals in a really poor Sunderland team last year um, uh, in the first half of the season. So Graben, Graben for me, is a good championship striker. What do you make of the other teams who failed in the playoffs and came down mm. uh, Villa God, I mean talk about a, a summer of turmoil at Villa um, they looked at one point like they were sort of struggling to pay the bills and yeah. they were looking at administration fines embargoes all sorts they seem to have come out on the other side of it and they're through the woods now as they've um, they've got new owners in haven't they but have they got yeah. enough to, to challenge again or is it just a case of getting a you know just being competitive for them at this stage I think I think the latter there. Um, there's there's a lot of strength in the championship at that top end. There's a lot of teams that have come down from the Premier League in the last few years, and teams that have been strong championship sites um, like Derby, Forest, Leeds, etc. Um, and I think they'll do well to finish in the, in the top six. They're definitely a threat. They've got some good players, some experienced players. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Villa in mid table. Swansea again. Um, they have an interesting one too. I think the uh, Graham Potter who was um, at uh, Osterwins, he did a good job there. So he's He's uh, proven himself in a difficult environment. Um, they did very well with them getting them into Europe and beating Arsenal, of course, last last season. But yeah, it's a different challenge for him. So Swansea, I, I see Swansea and, and Villa both being there or thereabouts, but outside the playoff mix, about 8th to 12th for me. It's going to be another crazy old season, isn't it? So Leeds at home, next up for Derby County. Then it's Oldham away in the League Cup. Um, you're going up there, aren't you? You, you yeah. teachers have all your time off. You can afford to just swan yeah. up to Manchester for the, for the day. Great getting a... a privately owned uh, train up there lovely stuff return train ticket coming back on the Wednesday nice cheap hotel you love a random trip to a first round league cup tie don't you after, after you joined to Grimsby last season Grimsby was brilliant I had fish and chips and I got absolutely soaked some lads were playing cricket on the beach did you uh, go to the did you go to the rearranged game no I didn't I wasn't that sad or <laughs> <laughs> committed no it was bad enough going up there on the, uh, for that one in the first place like it was a long old way trains were delayed and then it poured it down with rain and it was minus sort of five it felt like um, I had to wear a thick coat and it was August the 8th so I'm hoping for shorts and t-shirt this this year uh, nice pub crawl from Manchester to Oldham in this heat wave I'm sure I'm sure you'll get them you'd imagine going back to Derby that Lampard will rotate for that cup tie yeah and who knows who will actually be on Derby's books by then you know there could be more outs yeah as we've said a couple of times already which of the squad players do you think deserves a run out against Oldham I think it'd be quite good to see George Evans come in for to play in centre midfield I think Bennett would start that one um, I did say earlier in the podcast that for me he probably played better than Nugent but Nugent's obviously an experienced one so he probably will get the nod against Leeds um, so I'd like to see Bennett there perhaps maybe Thomas coming in on the wing he was um, on the bench against Reading yeah but didn't come on no you'd imagine Josef Zun will get a run yeah. out against Holden as well yeah if he doesn't start against Leeds could see um, Marriott getting involved as well I presume he's not quite up to fitness and that's why he wasn't in the squad uh, last night so yeah there's there's plenty of options in there and I think by the 9th of August we'll see some outs um, hopefully in centre midfield so maybe Bradley Johnson if he's not uh, not gone I think he could probably start at the base of that midfield but we're obviously settling into a new system so I wouldn't make too many changes maybe a few up front but I'll keep the back four the same You mentioned Mario there do you think he'll be the first choice striker for the rest of the season once he is fit surely he will with the money we yeah. spent on him and yeah, his pedigree and his goal scoring record the, a guy who scores goals has to play week in week out because the only way you score lots of goals is through 
through being the sort of focal point of the team and being that sort of central figure, it's very, very rare you get a player who plays 50% of your games and scores 15 to 20 goals. Like Solskjaer is the only person I can think of making a real niche for himself coming off the bench. And it's just it's so hard to, to to keep to stay in that groove, isn't it? When yeah. you're not playing, when you're not starting regularly. Look at Chris Martin, like top player, um, always in the team. First. One of the first names in the team sheet, 2013-14, um, scored loads of goals. Then he was in and out of the team, injury, suspensions, loss of form, um, and he's never recaptured that same form. So Martin's clearly a quality player, but a team needs to take him on and play him in that sort of central role consistently. Um, but he's got to work hard enough to get there. And I think if Marriott gets into the team, you've got to stick with him. So if we were to pick three players who could slash should come in against Oldham, mm-hmm. um, I think we're going to have to say Josef Zoon, yeah. Evans, yeah. And Thomas? Yeah, it's either going to be Thomas or Bennett. So um, I'd say, yeah, it'd be nice to see Thomas actually have a go. Because Bennett is, obviously is already around the first team a lot more than, than Thomas. I think Bennett will come on a sub again against Leeds. Yeah. And then I'd imagine he might start wide in one of in one of, in one of the wide front three positions Yeah. Just against depends. against Oldham. Depends then where you play Josef Zoon and then Thomas because they're both... For me, wider players. So um, there's a lot of options there, and perhaps you could have a sort of interchanging sort of three. Bennett maybe playing through the middle, but then operating on the right or left like he did uh, last night. There's a lot of there's, the Derby squad's very big, um, and we've got a lot of a lot of players and a lot of uh, positions and a lot of options, which is very good. Who makes way at Oldham? Do you think? Imagine maybe Lawrence gets a rest. Yeah, Lawrence, um, Ledley, Ledley being one of the more senior players will yeah. be given the night off. Yeah, and who else did we say? Thomas to come in so maybe Wilson on the other side might get rested yeah I'd say so unless of course Wilson starts on Saturday and doesn't play well um, maybe it's a good thing to get, keep him in the team it's a very ifs and buts isn't it there's there's too many sort of permutations for us to to really sort of make a positive call on this but it does depend very much how Saturday goes if Wilson plays well I'd say right, give him a break on Tuesday if he has a similar game to what he did last night I'd say keep him in for Oldham see how he does and then perhaps look to drop him the following week so how do you think we get on against Leeds? What's your score prediction there? It's tough, isn't it? Because it's so early in the season. We're at home, um, so I've got to say you'd be looking for three points. Um, I think with the sort of fewer around both teams, Leeds and Derby, with the media, the, the two uh, sort of managers you've got there, I don't think a point would be bad at this stage. I think Leeds would be happy with a point. So it's important to keep it tight. Um, I think if we score first, we go on and win that game. So I'll be looking for a win. Uh, I'm thinking a draw. Um, so I'm going to go one all. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take a draw. I think it will be a draw. They'll be crazy up for it, and yeah, you can see Leeds being incredibly intense in the first um, in the first dozen games of the season. Yeah, maybe I don't know because Bielsa will maybe ask so much of them they might blow out early. Yeah. They might peak too soon. I don't know. That's the hope. <laughs> there's a lot of talent in, isn't there, in this championship? It's going to be a really difficult season, um, but one that I'm looking forward to. Derby have made a positive start for it, and. There's, there's going to be some good games in that championship. I'm looking forward to watching them. Um, the games are not involving Derby too. So we'll see what happens. Do get in touch with us on Steve Bloomer's Washing. As I said in the first half, it's at Steve, Steve Bloomer Pod on Twitter or drop us an email. Let us know what you think the score will be against Leeds. We will be back in a couple of weeks after the... What's the game after Leeds? It's Oldham. Then it's Millwall. We'll yeah, be back yeah. after the Millwall game. It'll be myself and Richard for that one. So yeah, get in touch. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon.